This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing up in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission in the places that God has put us. Uh, So welcome to our fifth episode. This is the Saturate podcast where we talk through really practical issues, problems, and also just really great things that God's given us vision for as we try to make disciples who make disciples. And so today I have Jared with me, Jared Pickney from uh, Northeast Arkansas. And I also have our good friend, Ben Connolly, who's the director of Soma Church Planting. Uh, he planted a church as well in Fort Worth, Texas. He's a good friend. He's written lots of books uh, that all have the word field guide in them or something like that. And you should check them out. And uh, he's also, yeah, seen a lot of churches started from his and I don't know, he's a really good guy. So we have him on today as we're going to talk about developing missional leaders. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you, gentlemen. Glad to be here. (laughs) It's good to have you too. So how are you guys doing? How's soccer going, Jared? It's not going well at all. We have not won a game since our last podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's going great. I mean, it's going great. I'm having a great time bonding with my daughter. It's been fantastic. <laughs> the kids are having fun, though, right? I mean, that's, that's the main stuff. thing. Yeah, so it's fantastic. It's great. The kids are having a blast. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And you're just like seeing people, you know, really interested in your missional community and all that stuff. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. The whole team has already been converted and are um, well on their way to to lead missional communities themselves by now. That's really good. You're the best. Ben, what's going on in your life? Just because you're not on the podcast a lot. Can you sort of fill us in? You've got three beautiful children and live in downtown Fort Worth. But what is a normal, crazy life look like for you? Yeah, I think that uh, for the most part, life is uh, facing the end of, of school for us. And so we're feeling the, the many, many school programs that hit at the end of the school year and uh, trying to balance that with getting ready and excited for summer and having kids around the house more. Yeah, on, on a day-to-day kind of life uh, looks like trying to uh, love, love family well and that be the, the primary win and then balancing the, the everyday stuff of church it has high points and low points as each church does mm-hmm. as well as try to, try to see more churches planted across North America and by God's grace, we've gotten to see some beyond North America. Yeah, that's awesome. What's your missional community like? Yeah, we are about a mile from a university campus in Fort Worth. Uh, TCU is really nearby. And so uh, we just got to celebrate a graduation weekend of this past weekend um, where we had a couple of folks graduate from uh, grad school. And so part of our community is uh, students and those related to the campus. And then um, others of us all live within a neighborhood or nearby neighborhood with summertime being upon us starting to see uh, neighbors being out more and into the school year so people moving and that kind of stuff so that's awesome so i've been 
traveling around Oklahoma and Texas for the last week. I'm actually still in Texas. And I think that's the way you have to describe it. I'm still in Texas. Uh, no offense to anyone from Texas like you, Ben. So I've gone to a couple like really strong it's established churches, hung out with tons of people, you know, close friends here uh, in this part of the country. And I think because I live on the West Coast, in Portland, moving to Los Angeles, I, I think I l often lose touch with just the reality of what it would be like to do mission mm. in the Bible Belt and what it looks like to even proclaim the gospel and speak the gospel. Because there's, I don't know, often, you know, I think of, well, there's a church on every block, so surely that's great. Uh, but I was actually, I was just in Oklahoma City where they have incredible like incarceration rates, poverty rates, uh, drug abuse, just like mate like schools are really terrible and there's this huge budget crisis and all that. And it's one of those weird things of, but there's a church on every block. So what's happening here? Like the fruit looks so different than, you know, the institutions. And so I don't know, I, I just have a lot more respect. Uh, each time I come, I just grow deeper in the respect for guys like you, uh, Ben and you, Jared, who are uh, trying to speak the gospel to a bunch of people who feel like they know all the points of it, you know? It's amazing. It is interesting for sure. Um, we just talked about this with our with our church as we gathered on on Sunday. How um, Christian in kind of a modern Western world kind of means anyone who goes to a church, or even even just someone who shares kind of similar moral values, whether they're mm -hmm. you know actually mm -hmm. based in jesus or gospel motivation or not any anyone that just has decent values can kind of just be assumed like oh well yeah sure of course he or she is is a christian mm -hmm. and it makes it tough i think that my mission field is is me when i was 20 years old um hmm. i was a, a a youth pastor who if i was saved which i'm not sure about but that's a story for another day but <laughs> if i was saved the gospel certainly was not impacting my life and yet i was a paid youth pastor and so hmm. I think that that is kind of a weird, mm -hmm. embarrassing on some levels, but a picture of, of the mission field that God has us in is someone who can be even employed by a church, but look back, you know, 15 years later and go, I don't know if I was actually a follower of Jesus, though I was employed yeah. by a church. Mm -hmm. And that's where yeah. we see that all around us. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. not the employed by a church piece. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hopefully that was the exception rather than the <laughs> People who think they're Christians, who do all the right things and get called Christians uh, right. without actually knowing Jesus. Yeah. It seems like, like for us, at least in Arkansas, that, that Christianity to people is this idea that you can have Jesus as Savior, not as Lord. You know, and so mm. you give him your next life, but not this life. And so our pastors had a meeting at a restaurant, I guess it was a couple months ago, and this girl came up to us who was in a college ministry that I'd led several years back, probably about, actually about 10 years ago. And she just began to talk about just a relationship she was in with a boyfriend and how they had no plans of getting married even they're living together and don't ever want to have kids because kids are evil. And there's all these different things that were basically the antithesis of the gospel. And then when she was done, she turned around this painting that she had and she said, oh, by the way, if you know anyone in your church that wants to buy these, I'm now painting these crosses with Bible verses on them. Hmm. And the hmm. verse that was on it was, he died so that I may live. And it just became very obvious to me, like in that moment, like what she meant was, he died so that I may live however I want. Hmm. And I think like that's in some ways uh, the culture in the South, not everyone, but it seems to be more and more a larger majority of people who are 
believing, yeah, I prayed this prayer. I walked down this aisle. It doesn't really matter so much what I do now. Like intellectually, I sent to Jesus just like I sent to being Republican or Caucasian or whatever. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is so relevant because I think in the Bible Belt, there's this reality of, oh, well, I think especially for folks who are thinking through how do we make disciples, who make disciples, how do we, you know, fill our city and our churches with the gospel. I think often those folks, which is, I think we're in that group, uh, kind of gain this sort of drive to, oh, we need to like make sure people understand or truly are growing up in the gospel and kind of feel the burden, or at least I did a couple times this past week of there are thousands of people sitting in churches even going to Sunday school classes or, or whatever, even giving their lives to all these programs who, like you said, Ben, are not having any sort of daily gospel encounter or gospel transformation. Like Jesus is not uh, the their only priority and preference over all other things. He's just one among many and we're kind of living a good life, you know, um, or uh, we're living whatever we want, like you were saying, Jared, but um just choosing uh, to to put our faith in some post death, you know, reality. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really really fascinating, and I think it somehow uh, it definitely connects to what we want to talk about today, which is uh, how do you develop leaders who can actually and who are passionate about, called, equipped, gifted at making disciples who make disciples uh, in whatever place they've been put in. Uh, so I think. A lot of times leadership development, especially in the church and in our in our structures, kind of gets down to, hey, this is a good guy. He doesn't really mess up very much mm. or any dramatic ways. And um, he can lead a discussion on a Sunday morning. He can follow curriculum. He can talk about the sermon. And he's just a really good guy. And that's kind of our leadership structure. Or, you know, I think a lot of times, too, we're saying, oh, who's available and willing or who has a big house that can host people, you know, those sorts of things. And that's kind of the bar, which those are all really wonderful things. Uh, but it's just entirely different to try to see a leader who can live out and engage the mission of God which is to make disciples, uh, not just run a system or just, you know, show up whenever it's required. And so today I really wanted to talk about how do we develop leaders who are making disciples in our missional communities and sort of just a quick disclaimer, we want to make a saturate, uh, missional communities is just sort of the term that we use to describe gospel centered communities who are actively engaging in uh, making disciples together. So you might call them city group, C group, you might call them a life group, or you might even call them the 9am Sunday school class. Like it, it, that, that part doesn't matter. What matters is a group of believers who are trying to make disciples. And so uh, with that disclaimer, I, I want to kind of throw the question to you guys. Uh, how do you uh, develop leaders who uh, are making disciples or or missional leaders. And Ben, I kind of wanted you to go first and just sort of share what's your approach at sort of the most basic level. So we don't need to jump up all the way to, you know, how do you equip an elder, but how do you just equip one of those uh, community leaders? And I don't know, what are some of your guiding principles as you've lived this out for, for so many years? I think a lot of it <clears throat> starts with just the, the old adage that the proof's in the pudding. There's a hmm. lot of folks who know missional theory missional theology they can they can quote you you know the great commission and and 
the reality that, you know, Jesus at the end of John prays that the Father won't take Christians out of the world, but that he protect them as God actually sends them into the world. Like we can, we can quote these things and kind of have this theoretical idea of, yeah, we're supposed to be on mission. We're supposed to be making disciples. But, um, but the first thing that I'm, I'm looking for in someone who's specifically leading out in a community on mission, uh, or at least in the mission piece of that, is someone who's actually translating that theory into practice. And so you mentioned not not the not starting at an elder level, but you know there are the two elder qualifications of being hospitable and being well thought of by outsiders. You know whether they're mm-hmm. an elder or a missional community leader or just a, a follower of Jesus, if if that's kind of the the mark or the example set by God for leaders of the church, there's certainly something to that for all of us. And so hospitality, you know, it, it's not just making coffee on Sunday mornings for folks who come into your church. Mm-hmm. Hospitality biblically is, is more about inviting people in and making strangers feel welcomed. And, and there's even usually uh, some risk involved in that. And so, you know, who, who is it who is, is, is inviting people, whether they believe in Jesus or maybe especially not, who is it that's inviting those people into their lives on a regular basis, not because of some command or because of, uh, you know, some, some some mandate from even a pulpit on Sunday, um, but just because they're they're trying to put theory into practice as they're obedient to to the call on God, the call of God on their lives, you know. And, and same thing. So so you know, Peter talks about living out our faith, fighting our sin, but doing so among among the Gentiles, who at his time was everyone who was not a follower of Jesus, everyone who wasn't part of God's people. Mm-hmm. And so, so again, I, I think what I'm trying to say is, is just I'm looking for kind of seeing it play out in normal everyday life before we would put someone in kind of like a formal training for, mm-hmm. um, yeah. for that. Um, you know, the, as long as there's an interest there, as long as there's a, a few steps into that, then, um, then that can be really, really helpful. Does that make sense at all? That is such a big piece is... Um a lot of what we're trying to do is identify, you know, the, the people who, who are at least getting it in this repentance and faith that's getting worked out. And, and yeah, even those really basic things of, of like true biblical hospitality, hospitality that allows a stranger to be uh, welcomed home. I think that's, yeah, I think that's really beautiful. I think part of the mistake we make sometimes is, is hoping that one leader can lead out in everything that we want a missional community to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seven years into our church plant. I think about year five, year four into year five, we realized like across the board, many of our leaders were burning out. Mm. And and it was a mistake that we had made, and I'll own it. I'll say it's a mistake that I made of of kind of walking them through their strengths and their gifts, you know, just to simplify it, you know, can can you lead us Godward toward the, you know, toward the scriptures and toward understanding um, that kind of that kind of aspect of life, vertically oriented, worshipful life. Can you lead outward toward mission? Can you also lead inward and mm-hmm. you know the familial community kind of thing? And we would even kind of this is how how foolish I was. We were uh, we would even kind of determine where folks le- could were most naturally gifted to lead well in those areas. But then we didn't really do a ton about it to kind of bolster the areas that they were weak. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pointed out their weaknesses and then said, great, good luck, basically. <laughs> um, 
And so it wasn't any surprise when a few years in, they're, they're burned out. We're asking them to lead out in a way that they're not gifted um, and, and putting all the burden on one person or one couple. Um, mm. And so I don't know, I look at my life and, and go, I, I hope that by God's grace, I'm becoming a better shepherd, for example. Um, but I shouldn't be the one on our elder team to lead out in gospel shepherding. Um, mm. and so I think the same thing applies to, to some of our missional community leaders. Um, if someone's really gifted and maybe one of, or both of kind of the other two directions, you can lead us well toward, toward God, toward, um, more of kind of the more standard discipleship Bible conversation thing and can lead us well in, in the community, caring for each other, being a family together. That's great let's let's encourage you to lead out in that and then find someone else who does see more of a natural missional bent in their lives mm-hmm. rather than just try to you know again try try to hope that you can lead out in all three that makes sense I, that does make sense uh, okay. that's that's a big piece because mm-hmm. i think our natural american inclination is to see and maybe it's the human heart condition is, you know, like give us a leader that can, you know, rule it all and that can do it all. And even as, as church leaders or pastors or people equipping the saints, we can get into that mindset too, and kind of look at our people. Like you were saying, I was like, yeah, well, they're, they're really good at this, but they're, they're not great at that. So we need to develop a training process or a leadership development process in which it takes three years and they need to be, you know, get a master's in shepherding people, living on mission, uh, organizing people, you know, food, eating, communication. We just feel like, oh, we've got to, you know, let make sure these people can master it all. And uh, it's a huge like one, you you sometimes found find people like you're saying, Ben, who sign up for that and then are totally burned out. Or you have a whole, you know, like army of people really that look at that and say, oh, I'll never be able to do that. Like I'm running a business. I'm uh, raising children. I'm, you know, going to school. There's no way I could be all of those things. Like they're, they're, they're more self-aware than we are sometimes. And so I think what you're saying is so beautiful and true that we really need to identify uh, what what people have been gifted by God to do and see what sort of teams God puts around them, like what sort of people can share that leadership. And, uh, and it's beautiful whenever we, you know, press into that. So, yeah. And then we get to, we get to grow up kind of to, to quote Paul, we get to grow up in every way in all the different ways we're not grown up yet into Christ who's the head, but we don't have to be the only one leading it or we don't have to be mm-hmm. gifted in, in, in everything there is under the sun that God has given people to be gifted in. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of the body. Yeah. And it, and it definitely puts people, even as they're leading in this position where they have to, or get to uh, watch someone else who's gifted in another area. And that's actually how they, they grow up. You know, often we just like throw people out there to say, be all things right now, uh, be every type of leader. And without any example that they're being able to see or experience. And so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's really cool to see God mature us that way when we share, share the burden of leadership and the joy of leadership. Jared, I wonder what you have to add. Maybe, you know, what Ben shared has sparked some thoughts for you, but then also you just sort of have this brilliant mind of being able to think through how do all the pieces work together and how do you 
actually develop some sort of trellis or structure in which leaders are being developed in a, in a healthy way. Mm. So I wonder if you could, yeah, kind of touch on that because mm. I think it's really helpful. Well, yeah, I think for us, we've just, it, it took four years I mean, we'll be five years old in September. It took four years to realize that if we're going to have healthy leaders, we need to have healthy members. Mm. And so we just really, um, this really just this past year uh, relaunched kind of our approach to, to what it means to be a member in our church and how to be a healthy member. And so one of the things that we do, uh, we started just this past year and we plan to do it uh, next year and hopefully the year after that and just improve upon it. But we've created a little bit more robust membership renewal process to where every year we ask our members hmm. to basically to reconsider what it means to be a member of Fellowship Paragold. And the whole point of this is to help them see that you know, to be a member of a church is not to take the posture of a consumer, but a contributor. And so we just have them rally around kind of our covenant, which is the four G's of gather, go, grow, and give. And we have them uh, put out on a form that, that every member is given or potential member. Uh, basically, they, they answer a couple of questions under each category, gather, right? How many times do you plan to, to seek together? How regularly with your missional community or with, you know, on a Sunday morning undergo, right? We're reminding them like you are a missionary, like you're sent one by God. And so who are some, uh, some not yet believing friends that you believe that God is, is sending you to, or what missional community are you going to partner with? And, and how do you, you know, plan to, to help uh, seek to make disciples among a specific, maybe people group or region within our city and then under grow, which has been a big one for us, a big focus this year. We set a thematic goal every year. And so uh, our, our big thematic goal this year was to help people understand how to have a personal, like life-giving relationship with Jesus. Like not just, yes, you're connected to the whole body, but here's how you, you personally, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, like you with Christ, walk with him, enjoy him, uh, grow more in his likeness. And so uh, we've put a lot of work this year into things like the Enneagram test, which I know that we're going to work on with, uh, we're talking to a podcast with Adam and the future to talk about um, helping them understand a pest and, and spiritual gifting, like Ben is speaking of strengths and weaknesses, things like that. Of course, I provide a, uh, a leadership development opportunity for men. I do a thing called the band of brothers, which I know is kind of the cachet <laughs> title for it. But um, every year pick 10 guys that I just, I walk with through biblical manhood. And so we're just trying to help them understand how to be with Jesus, right? become like Jesus, do what he did. Um, and then, of course, we're reminding them like that they're called to give, that, that they are a part of a royal priesthood, as Peter tells us. And so we try to create a culture where everyone understands like you are a minister of the gospel. And so you're here to serve. And we try to make serving uh, easy for them to get into. And so we try to make it really just clear, like a clear path to how they can serve and where they can serve and how they can use their gifts. And then, um, yeah, we just kind of like Ben said, we sit back and we watch and we look to see, I think Jeff's the first person I heard to come up with this acronym, but FATTER, F-A-T-E-R, right? A faithful, available, teachable, responsive. And that's really kind of what we're looking for. And so we're seeking to raise up missional leaders within the church or go like uh, many other, I know churches within Selma, they would love to see one missional community per thousand people in their city. And so for us, that's 30 missional communities we have 11 right now and so we're we're reminding our leaders our current leaders that the win is multiplication not addition hmm. and so we're always wanting to reproduce ourselves 
And so that's a culture we're trying to create here. We're trying to celebrate that through video testimonies, whatever else to remind people like that's the win to multiply, to make disciples who make disciples, to birth more missional communities that birth missional communities, to plant churches that plant churches. And so mm -hmm. um, to really ensure our MC leaders are healthy, which I agree with, with what Ben said, like it just seems like one of the hardest things for us has been trying to avoid missional leader burnout. And so we have been trying to go above and beyond to ensure that, that we're providing a context where they can be healthy. And so once a month, we provide what we call a missional community leader training. And so the husband and wives are these missional communities and their apprentices, if they want to bring them, uh, we meet at a house, we have dessert, we have coffee, and then we train them in something that's missional community related. Uh, what we've been doing this year is focusing a lot on emotional health. And so right now we're going through uh, Pete Scazzaro's Emotionally Healthy Spirituality together. And mm. they read a couple of chapters and we're talking about that and what it looks like. Um, and then we also are having a lunch with the missional community leaders once a month. I do this and our pastor who's really over kind of spiritual formation, he does as well. And so I focus on the hands piece. He focuses a lot on the heart piece. Mm -hmm. um, during the lunches. And so he's asking them about their marriage, about their, their families. And so I'm helping them just basically process their experience as missional community leaders. What's hard, mm -hmm. where are you moving forward, things like that. And then we just try to resource them uh, the best that we possibly can as well. And, and just try to, you know, create a budget in our, uh, you know, in our church budget, we try to create basically space where we can pour into them as much as we can and provide them with the resources they need to, to be healthy so that they can make disciples uh, who are healthy disciples. So yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about what we're, we're currently doing. Yeah. I think what you said is so important that your structure for developing leaders begins with the church itself, like all of us, you know, mm -hmm. that's one of the things I hear uh, as I coach, you know, church planners or, or pastors all over share is just this like, man, if God gave us more leaders, you know, we could really do something. That's right. And what I, I just love that you're saying, no, our leadership development structure begins with, we're going to make sure that all the people in our church are discipled, because that's the only way we're going to have leaders is if we make disciples. Absolutely. I even saw uh, Alex Absalom, who's, uh, you know, sort of in our tribe of, of missional communities, uh, said yesterday, leaders don't make followers, leaders develop leaders. Mm. And I think that that's, that's huge, um, that you're not just looking for, oh, the best and the brightest from the get-go you're saying no it starts with developing everyone and then yeah it seems like you have this uh after identifying you know the the people who are kind of uh showing that sort of calling and giftedness to lead uh you're kind of taking them and, and putting some really healthy stuff in place like a monthly time where you're able to give them sort of a classroom type training then you're meeting with them one-on-one -on -one. is that with so you meet with the same leader mm -hmm. and then Adam who does more of the shepherding focusing on the heart meets with that, that leader as well, uh, in the same Absolutely. month. That's really cool. So both of you, you're not trying to sit down with the leader and work through, all right, here's the, the strategy and the practical stuff. Also, Hey, how's your heart doing? You're kind of <laughs> like letting, you're, you're letting two conversations take place each month. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Well, what about you, man? What are you guys uh, doing? What have you done in the past, Brad? I'd be interested. I know we've had these conversations before, but I think you have a lot to, to say here and, and you've done a lot. So really similar things. You know, I think that's what's kind of an encouragement is you realize, oh, I'm not I'm not doing something really crazy. Uh, we've we've done a lot of 
uh, similar thing. We several years ago had to come to this approach where actually it's the like if we have healthy like disciples in our church, we'll have enough leaders, you know, like let's let's exhale and get to the work of making disciples. And so I think pretty similar to, to where you were coming to, Jared. But uh, I think beyond that, we kind of create these opportunities uh, once or twice a year for people to come in to like, hey, we're going to lay out the whole, this is what it means to lead a missional community. This is what we're looking for. This is how to do it. And so we kind of take four weeks and just train people the the missional community basics, essentially, um, you know, foundation on the gospel, what our identity is, and then how we, you know, live, live you know, the gospel and our identity out uh, in community. And so we do that and we open it up to anyone who wants to come in our church, which has always been beautiful. Uh, there's definitely people that I, you know, kind of press and say, hey, you should definitely come and just sort of check it out. And, and as they go through that process, they sort of begin to pretend what it would look like to start a community. And that's even some of the homework they have to do each week. Hmm. And uh, on the other side of it, we even say like, hey, maybe God is calling you to start a missional community. And we've even through the process, they've done a self-assessment on how do they feel like they match up against the leader qualifications and skills and things. And um, it's been really beautiful because we've had folks that, you know, became a Christian six weeks before come to the class uh, and come to the training. And really uh, on the other side, just like, wow, I really know more about what these leaders are doing to care for me and, mm. you know, can't wait to go back to my, my missional community and, you know, be a, you know, kind of a, a better leader or better participant in it. Uh, and then we've also seen just really unlikely people kind of raise their hand and say, no, I, I want to actively work towards starting one of these in my place of work or in my part of the city or with these particular people. Um, so I think, I don't know. I, I always kind of go to that um, moment when Jesus is, you know, teaching the disciples how to fish, which I think is really funny. He comes to them and says, I'm not going to make you fishers, of, you know, fishermen anymore. You're going to be fishers of men, you know, come follow me. And then later in the story, they're on a boat and he's telling them where to put their nets, you know, um, and, and they catch an abundance of fish. And he's like, cast the nets basically on this side, all kind of showing him like, hey, I'm going to direct you to the people or I'm going to, you know, kind of show you the way um, you're, you're going to have to rely on me. But when I give it, it's going to be an abundance. And so um, that's what we've kind of experienced, uh, just sort of that one structure piece and then do really similar things of meeting with leaders. Um, and I think. I don't know, one of the weird things that I've realized because we're coming to the end of our time in Portland and kind of looking forward, one of the things we've realized is how much like fruit came from lingering conversations. Uh, so many leaders we saw actually developed when we were washing dishes after mm. a, a, a community meal and like the few people that hung out to wash the dishes with us or help us put our kids to bed or... Um, you know, the, the young couples that we decided to bless and they blessed us by babysitting and us paying them. But like those conversations that happened, I don't know, around this sort of intimate shared life stuff. Um, but it wasn't really intentional, like, Hey, Hey man, I'm going to meet with you every Thursday. It was just sort of that stuff. Um, but they've really developed into some of the most amazing leaders and not just cause you know, we have this special aura around us, but I think that 
that's one of my encouragements to people these days is allow the lingering conversations to be like your ministry. Um, I think we see that with Paul and his life. And yeah, I think it's, it's really beautiful uh, to, to allow people to see our lives, not just in the classroom, not just, you know, in the organized structures, but yeah, those spontaneous moments and, and to allow that to happen, kind of let go of our schedules enough to see that take place. So good, man. Yeah. I think that, I mean, if we're going to raise up leaders, like we have to be praying leaders ourselves and pray that the Lord, like, like we'll raise up these leaders. Cause I mean, I was talking to Ben about this even last week and, you know, my dad was a pastor my whole life and, and probably not joking. I don't know if he's ever read a leadership development book ever. Um, I don't even know if that was on his radar, right? Just because of the culture, it was, you know, make hospital visits and preach three times a week and do weddings and funerals and that sort of thing. And so, but yet I can, I can point to three, I mean, pastors who, who have very healthy ministries who came out of mm. the church that my dad pastored at the time within mm. just a nine year deal. And, um, and it was just because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And yet I can also point to times in, in our ministry here where we've prayed specifically for God to raise up leaders in certain seasons and, and watch as he began to impress on the hearts of people a desire to lead. Because obviously, I mean, if you have humility mm. and you have a desire, like that's what you're looking for in a leader ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. And like the dude loves Jesus and he's teachable. It's like, I mean, that's the guy that's going to grow and, and God's going to use in great ways. And so, or girl, whichever. So we're going to see fruit in what we, what we're doing, what we're celebrating, what we're leading by example of then. And so there, there is a piece to which both modeling that, that prayerfulness um, that you talked about, Jared, but also just, just modeling the idea of, of living out among our city, knowing our city well, so, you know, celebrating that Absolutely. and being able to, to, to not just talk about people Absolutely. on mission as a third party thing and, and slip into the mindset that I hear often of like, well, I'm not on mission. I just equip people for mission. Mm-hmm. Well, then, then you're probably not going to actually equip people on mission because mm. um, at some point you start to lose touch with what's really going on or you're demanding something of your people that you're not willing to carry out yourself. And, and again, I think at that point you're, you're missing a couple of the elder qualifications and so just, just living as that example among the flock of the things that we want our, you know, quote, flock to, to be by God's grace doing and living and seeing fruit in, um, a lot of it starts with, well, what are, we, what are we modeling? Are we modeling prayerfulness, to Jared's point? Are we modeling mission um, to the point of the bigger conversation here? Um, if not, well, it's probably not going to be a surprise if we have a hard time raising up leaders for mission. Yeah, if if you're not as a leader sort of setting that pace, you know, um, it's one of the things that I think becomes sad uh, with all the resources that we have even saturate out there is uh, you have leaders and, and pastors sharing someone else's stories, you know, like, well, Jeff Vanderstelt had this really great story. Let's let's live that way. Mm-hmm. And which I, I think is they're they're insp- and they're inspiring, you know, the stories and our stories could be inspiring to. Uh, to kind of wake us up, but it can't, you know, in there, you know, we, we, as people trying to equip, uh, like you said, Ben have to step into yeah, yeah. Uh, living out our own stories with joy. You just mentioned Jeff and he and I, he and I've had a couple conversations about this topic and even, even letting people see like the difficulty or how long it takes or that kind of stuff. And you know, I think one of the, one of the reasons, Absolutely. Uh, one of the many reasons that, that some of our folks have, have felt burned out is um, 
they see or hear stories and, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, person A moves to this massive city and within five days, the entire city's come to repentance <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and praise God in history and in the Bible, I think we have seen that and praise God, but that's, that's not, it's not as common. And so even Jeff, yeah, it's not normative. And so Jeff, as he talks about, you know, some of the, the, the stories of what they got to see in Tacoma and, and now what they started to see in Bellevue, but people know a little bit more of Tacoma stories, you know, he, he's, he's intentional about going, you know, for the first six or seven years, this person wouldn't even speak to us. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even that has, like, right. you know, me doing that with some of my relationships, hearing that from even the quote stage speakers who are experts on this has been really freeing to our people of kind of going like, mm-hmm. oh, if it, if it takes two years, five years, a decade to see fruit, I can mm-hmm. breathe a sigh of relief mm-hmm. and go, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy. This is, this is normal. That's right. It's the picture of the hardworking farmer, right? I mean, like you're going to go out and you're going to work your tail off, but at the end of the day, if God doesn't bring the rain, exactly. there's not going to be leaders developed. Right. And so you don't own that. You go out and you do the hard work and you, you plan mm-hmm. and you prepare and you seek to equip, but then you pray like crazy, right. That, mm-hmm. that God will bring the fruit. And sometimes fruit i mean obviously fruit never is never grown overnight mm-hmm. right at least not here in arkansas maybe maybe in the west coast i don't know it's funny this is sort of a a dorky or at least i think it's dorky it reminds me of my dad who was also a pastor kind of illustration but uh you know southern california where we're moving is filled with avocado trees and one of the things that i think is amazing about them is if you plant an avocado tree it takes five years minimum for them to bear fruit Mm. and for me that's been a really good picture of what we're stepping into because i often think oh if we just run this system that's right you know winter spring summer fall it just keeps happening year after year you know um and really there's like you guys were just saying there's a lot of um a lot of disciple making happens awkwardly at five minute increments once a week uh, on our sidewalks. And after about five years, you begin to see fruit. And, and maybe it's just like living in the same place for a while. Like one of the, you know, coolest conversations I had about the gospel in Portland was with neighbors that lived next to us for five years. And the only thing they ever said to us was, you're the renters, right? <laughs> cool. <laughs> is your landlord ever going to fix the paint on the outside i was like uh i don't know my name's brad cool and then they like walked away but then you know five years later i was walking to the store and they stopped me and they're on their front porch and she shared that she was a, a western history western european history professor and he was a financial advisor and they're asking me these deep questions about how do you actually care for people who are, you know, hypothetically going through depression or relational strife with one another? And, uh, you know, I imagine this time of year, it's really hard. What do you do? You know, and I sort of stopped. I was like, oh, you guys want to talk to me? Like that was I was just excited to have someone like a neighbor who wanted to talk to me. But that became a really like wonderful you know, friendship, but it was five years of, I guess they saw me and they heard that, you know, we're kind of Christiany people. And, um, and it was, a uh, I don't know. I think that that is, those are the sort of stories that our leaders or the people we're trying to develop 
like you said, Ben, have to hear because it's really freeing. Well, guys, I think we almost touched on all the topics. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation and I feel much more uh, <laughs> equipped myself to even, uh, I can't wait to get back to Portland and sort of, you know, run the race for the last several weeks and engaging in uh, new ministry as well. And um, yeah, this is really encouraging. If there, if there is a secret sauce to the sort of missional movement, it's, it's this sort of stuff is kind of focusing on uh, how do we develop disciples and then how do we help those people lead? Um, there's a lot of really great resources on the, the internet, I guess, put you guys on the spot. Uh, what are one or two great uh, resources where someone could go towards next uh, to kind of get a, a better or deeper grasp on some of these topics? I'm just finishing the design of the lead book. Uh, I can't remember. I know it's Kevin Peck and somebody else. Is it Eric um, is it Geiger? Is that how you say his last name? Anyways, design the lead is a book that um, <laughs> it's a great book. It's It's been endorsed by Steve Timmis and, and Dr. Rayner and Matt Chandler and some of those heavy hitters. I don't see Brad Watson on the back of it, but other than that, it's a pretty good lineup of people who are endorsing it. So, um, so yeah, that's that's one book that I, I mean, I'll, I'm, I've taken a lot away from it and looking to implement some things there. Very practical, very good, great theology, all that. So yeah, I would say if, if folks are uh, kind of new to this idea of communities on mission, that kind of stuff, some of the earliest really helpful pieces for me were um, Jared. You just mentioned Steve Thomas, but he and Tim Chester wrote Total Church, and then there's a, a follow up. I think it's called Everyday Church that were that were super super helpful. Um, you know, there are folks who have been writing on this vein, um, mostly outside of uh, outside of America, where you know, in Western Europe and in the UK and in other in other places where where Christendom kind of has already come and gone, as it were. Um, we've learned a lot just locally from kind of folks who are 10, 20 years ahead of us on that curve, and so uh, the folks in the UK, uh, Alan Hirsch, of course, is is kind of the the missional guru on a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, they've been really helpful. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, to embarrass Ben here, uh, one of the, my favorite books, especially getting to that point of how do we develop missional people is a book that you wrote, Ben, called <laughs> A Field Guide for Everyday Mission. Yeah. Uh, it's a 30-day kind of devotional, I guess, but they're really short chapters and it basically even outlines, I don't know, is it 100 plus different ways that people can engage the mission and just normal everyday yeah. sort of stuff. Uh, that's really great. We actually hand it to people all the time. Uh, it's one of my favorite books to recommend. But you've never actually read it. <laughs> no, I've read it. Well, I read <laughs> never actually. I, no, no, no I've, I've read the book. I guess the chapters are so short that I say, I don't know, this might be too much for this podcast, but it's really great, like restroom reading. Uh, <laughs> that's like one of the, that's that's how I fit it in for like 30 days. And uh read some picture of my book sitting in a basket next to his commode, which was really encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. Hey, I could have taken a picture of it, you know, on the bottom of a shelf yeah. in the commode. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think it's really great way to, to sort of even sort of foster missional people. Um, so that's something for, for folks to check out. It's like less than 10 bucks on the, the internet. And, uh, 
yeah, I think that, you know, one other sort of resource uh, maybe to look at is on the Saturate website, we have a few sort of leadership development plans. There's a couple versions of them or even self-assessments that people can do to see where they are in their sort of leadership journey and and what, you know, God might be calling them to to grow into. Yeah. And so I check those out too. I think you can just search leadership development plans or something and it'll, it'll pop up. And, and I will reverse put Brad on the spot, not just out of obligation, but I think uh, I, I appreciate you hosting this, but I think you uh, just on your, on your personal site, and I know you're transferring some of it over saturate site, but have some of the best stuff out yeah. there on just mm-hmm. kind of the mm-hmm. uh, leadership development in, in the normative everyday, not super high and lofty uh, ways. I think that you, you, you put some, some really thoughtful writing out there. So Brad, a Watson dot something. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. That's right. And then there, yeah, Brad A. BradAWatson.com. And then if you click on resources, MC resources, it gives you all of them. So and while you guys are writing your books, I'm just <laughs> happy to be here. Thanks, Jared. You're going to write your lead like Saban book soon. <laughs> I'm just writing for yep. our church bulletins, Neil. <laughs> well, uh, well, guys, Thanks for for joining me, Ben. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Jared, it's always good to chat with you. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, uh, whoever you are. And uh, actually, if you do like it, you can review it and rate us on, you know, iTunes and stuff, because that kind of helps other people find us. Uh, But yeah, thank thank you uh, for listening. And we'll be back sometime soon. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by creating resources, providing training, doing coaching, and consulting with churches, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.